0: Welcome back to Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mel, again today, but we're only joined by specifically Liam. How's it going?
1: I'm very good, specifically, Mel. Disappointed that Will can't be here this evening, Uh, but I'm ready to to talk about what was just a great weekend.
0: It was. Unfortunately, Will's a little bit sick, so we've got his notes uh, as usual, and it means that he will once again not be doing the will, watch and wait scoreboard, which is just such a gag. Um, but how was your weekend? Which games did you get to?
1: I went to a game that I don't want to talk about. I said I had, it was a great oh. weekend of footy, and that was before I went and sat in the cold and watched the one of the... Actually, no, I'm going to call it the worst game of football I've ever seen.
0: Mm, that was... um, and Yeah bit windy out there? I just
1: cannot reiterate how crap those conditions were for everyone. Like, it was bad for the supporters because it was cold. It was bad for the football because it was windy. It was just shit. Mm. Sorry for anyone that's, you know, afraid of a foul mouth. It was the worst game of football I've ever watched, and it could have been against a much better side, and it still would have been terrible to watch. So... I yeah. wasn't exactly ending the weekend on a high, particularly when it was followed up with some average fantasy scores from some very skilled players who ultimately don't get 14 tackles in the wind.
0: Mm. Well, I was just so not expecting that. For, for reference, in case anyone <laughs> hasn't followed what we're talking about, this is the surprising uh, defeat of the Bombers to the consistently bottom of the ladder West Coast. Will messaged me partway because he was at that game and he's like, what if the Eagles win? I was like, no, don't be silly. <laughs> Come on. We know how this uh, ends. Like I brought Mel, in Too Good on the assumption that she was going to absolutely flog West Coast. Yeah.
1: Do you remember what I said when we talked about the Bombers potentially losing on the spaces? Yeah,
0: I was like, absolutely no way.
1: You're mad. I'm like, I oh, trust me, I just know the DNA of the entire Essendon Football Club and we are very capable of losing this game. And lo and behold, we did. Any other games? Uh, That was the only one for me,
0: actually, sadly. Damn, I thought you could maybe bring that back with like, oh, yeah, and I saw this other... Oh, okay. Well... No, no, that was it. I will substitute with... um, I went to watch the... I wanted to go to Oval. never been, so I went over to watch the Bulldogs. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of floggings, I went over to watch the Bulldogs' uh, Sydney game, which was cool because I... Haven't seen Sydney play in person. So I, like, you know, had Laura Gardner in my side the whole time. Haven't seen her play. And that was such a great game. Chloe Molloy was on fire. Like, it was just, we we knew Sydney were going to win. But, wow, that was awesome conditions. Yeah, that was really fun. And then I went to the wet and windy uh, Cats Pies game on Sunday, which was quite miserable. Ran into Maddie Press Parkers, which was cool. Uh, But then... I guess she was like, oh, maybe the weather will clear up. Maybe it'll get nicer. Nah, probably got worse, uh, (laughs) given how bad the conditions were on Sunday night. But uh, yeah, no, good weekend of footy. Starting to get sad that it's going to be finished soon, though.
1: Yes. Well, hopefully people keep uh, voting with their feet and make it out to as many games as possible towards the back end of the season. Mm. Really pack it out at some bigger venues for finals so that the average attendance is high enough so that we can have 12 games next year. Yeah. instead of just 11
0: is it three thousand people per game average that we need though I feel I
1: think it's lower I think it's slightly below that and it's different depending on how many uh, how big the ground is it oh. needs a certain percentage and it will be deemed to be at the requisite amount okay. but basically for for the last couple of games and for finals we pack it out because I want a longer fantasy season. <laughs> because I want to give myself a chance for a hat. Um, if we could do that this year, that'd be great.
0: Yep, let's all do it for Liam. Get down to the games. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Look, you had a very good fantasy score this week. Tell us what happened.
1: I did. I did. I did actually manage to do all right for two weeks in a row, which for anyone that followed last <laughs> year is literally an impossibility. So nice to know that we're breaking fantasy physics here. So I scored a sixteen twenty eight, which had me at a round rank of 182. Mm. That moved my ranking up 121 spots to rank 218, which, if I'm honest, the main highlight, like the main summary of my team is that it probably could have been even better if it wasn't for Windy Hill Mm. because my forward line absolutely crushed it. So Zali, Chloe Malloy, Laura Gardner, all having epic games. I picked an okay captain in Charlie Robottom, and I, I think the big thing I did for the first time in a long time is I didn't just make a trade because I thought it would be all right, instead of just making a rookie downgrade and, and just holding, and I ha- normally make that error. I normally make that trade when it's not necessary, but this week I held Ella for a top three defender score for the mm. week, so... I avoided some bad mistakes and I had some really nice high scores from some less than highly owned players in the top 500 or so. So it was a, it was a really good week.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, to move 121 spots this late, whew, that's, that's very impressive. Um, I really hope you can hold that because obviously I want you to do well, but it gives credibility to the pod. <laughs> because we do, uh, love,
1: we do love a bit of cred for the pod.
0: Uh, Will got about 1,500-ish this week. His overall rank, I mean, he's not here, so I just have bits and pieces, but he shuffled down about 70 spots, and his overall rank, still top 500, which is good, um, 415. But I reckon he would like that to go up a little bit. He did an interesting trade of Malloy to Zali, which when we were watching Malloy, I was like, oh, (laughs) Will.
1: Tears. You poor
0: thing, like, absolutely spewing. But then, you know what? That was for the best, um, because Zali was huge. So... Yeah, overall, though, he had a couple of underperforming players that were a little bit less uh, highly owned. So the unique trades uh, a few weeks ago didn't quite work out for him. But that's still like the fact that we're like, oh, 1,500, bit of a week around, crazy, crazy scores.
1: Yes. The other thing that I was just going to say is I forgot to mention my trades and I used a downgrade of Maggie, uh, sorry, not um, Maggie Karras, Renee Karras and Charlie Wicksteed down to some 300Kers to take um, Elise Parker, rip in peace to Ash Riddell.
0: Nice. How did Riddell go? I can't remember.
1: Oh, we can talk. We are going to oh. talk about Ash Riddell later because she went like a
0: heart attack. Yes, I remember this now. So, yeah, I also, so you got 1628. I was pleasantly surprised that I was only 23 points below you or behind you. I actually had a surprisingly big week, 1605, which is nice. Round rank 288. It's pretty cool. Overall rank, though, 679. So I had a good shimmy back up. This is almost, if we just ignore round seven, I haven't really moved. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just pretend that didn't happen and then I'm just still where I was. In order to get into the top 500, which was my goal from a few weeks ago, I'm going to need some speckies because I've already got quite a few speckies, but I'm going to need them to go good and I'm going to need to bring in some more. Although I'm very happy. Very happy with my trade last week, which was sussing that Hall was not going to be the predominant goal kicker for Melbourne and trading her to Too good who didn't have a huge score, as we said, because Bombers were a little bit challenged in that game. But 59 for Hall and 100 for 2-good, I will take that.
1: Yeah, definitely the uh, the out of Taylor Harris, the continued out for Taylor Harris, I think was something big for Hall, which is forces her to spend more time deeper forward and there are just fewer options mm. for for other teams So yeah, for, for Melbourne to go to so other teams have an easier time defending just her. So yeah, it was a good trade. And I'm sure you weren't liking what Togood was doing at uh at half time, but she is uh, a proven second half like monster who just yes. rams on mega points.
0: I was quite worried, but I was also like this would be classic me to like Pay up for a player to do not much, but um no, yeah, pleasant surprise there. Priest to Allen. I was tossing up keeping Priest for a moment in time there. Very happy that I traded her out. Good call, good call. Made myself another twenty four points there, so not a huge amount, but for the cash, yep, I'll take that. And uh, my other trade, much sure over muchness. Uh, Blackburn <laughs> didn't cop the tank tag, which we were worried about, so scored one hundred and twenty two. And I traded her for Charlie Robottom, who got 121. So, so
1: you were net minus one.
0: Yes. But there you go. I stand by it though, because Blackburn, the Bulldogs. Yeah.
1: Something something's rotten in the state of Denmark on that whole team. And I do think as well for Robottom, she was on track for about a 135-140. The only thing that derailed her was I think it was the second quarter. She spent about seven minutes on the bench, kind of in the middle of that quarter, and I think it's only because she the ga- game was on the other side, mm. on the other wing. Because other th- other from that, otherwise from that, like she can put together thirty point quarters like clockwork. And she put up a thirty-three or above in every other quarter. I think it's like that missing ten point, fifteen points. Well, it's funny you it's say that.
0: Because she yeah. got three freeze against, which probably didn't help. There's nine points yeah.
1: missing. Yeah, that's nine points missing, but she kind of is a bit of a bully inside. And so that is going to happen sometimes. And yeah. she does definitely take the game on a bit. So for every 10 times she manages to just eke out that hand pass when she looks like she's about to be tackled holding the ball. That's the that's the downside of her, of her unique skill set. Yes. Outside of that, I think she was probably on track for a 135. And it just happens to be that she got stuck on the other side of the ground.
0: So over to our Kiara Bowers plus fours.
1: Maybe we'll start with you because I feel like we can have a theme for the for Will and I.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with mine. So two weeks ago I traded in Keely Shearer, who was someone that we're thinking this could be a really good season for her. Quite lowly owned as well, but coming into her kind of third season, I was like, I think she can go 100 plus and kind of keep it there. Unfortunately, she had a quiet week against Collingwood last week, but then, bam, 122. Absolutely love to see that. So that was a nice unique. She's made me a lot of money, and that was my trade for – I can't even remember who that was my trade for. But either way, that was a kind of a risky one, and it paid off. And I think that's what really kind of saved me this week. I'm pretty happy to keep her at my 4 to 5. She's currently M4 because I still have Bates, which I need to figure out to do something with eventually. But No, I reckon – I reckon Bates is a hold. Port Adelaide? could be a hold. But up against Dowrick though.
1: No, it's it's more Maria Maloney, but I just don't know if that'll matter too much. I just think there's going to be so many tackles.
0: Mm, These are two big tackling teams. Uh, What about you? Well, you can speak on behalf of Will as well.
1: Yes. So it is Zali, the Z-Goat, you know, the golden touch to our sides because Zali Goldsworthy against Carlton was stupid, like ridiculous some, like the fact that she's 18 Mm -hmm. and she puts together the stat line that she did, which for anyone that can't remember what it was like, it was alright, I'm going to have 18 touches and 12 tackles, that'd be good enough already all three of her free kicks, four were for holding the ball free kicks, so that's extra bonus points for her to put on top of that, five goals, five goals is Mad. ridiculous. Sorry, it's eighteen kicks and six hand passes alongside seven marks
0: and twelve it tackles. One of the
1: most well, one of the most well-rounded stat lines you are ever going to see. And that's setting aside the fact that she won that game for GWS. Yes, she kicked three goals in the last quarter and they win by two points. The, do you know Mel? Do you know who the other goal scorer was in that final quarter? Can you remember?
0: Um, I was commuting, so no.
1: Right. Could you guess who on GWS?
0: Ooh. Stanton? No, that's not GWS. Nope. No, I don't know. No, nope,
1: that is GWS. Uh, Chloe Dalton. That's ah, who you're thinking of. Yes,
0: that is who I was thinking of.
1: And it's no. It's Jodie Hicks.
0: Ah! The other yeah, the long-sleever.
1: Yep, so completely ridiculous performance from Zali Goldsworthy. To put together 168, I've kind of... She has been one of those moments where I gave that advice, like in week four, that she could be a really good option. And then she went 170, and then I was like, i oh, am stuff it, I need to get her in my side. She was my upgrade for Megan Kaufman, and that I've nailed that. But I'd also like to give myself some credit for my Marrera's Magic side, because not only did I do very well this week, almost entirely off the back of Zali, but I had the moment at the beginning of the season when I had Zali Goldsworthy and Paige Scott. Never mind that I brought in Paige Scott instead of Keely Shearer, because that would have made my side much better. Mm. I could have traded them out. And I went, you know what? I just trust Zali to do it. And she has repaid my faith ever since. She's not gone below 70 She's just been an incredible player for our sides this year and she will be almost certainly F1 next year. She's just going to be, and she's still going to be valued because that 26 is going to be in there. i loved every bit of that performance. And, you know, normally there's a certain Sydney player who gets these kind of lyrical <laughs> odes from me. Uh, it's nice that there's someone else in uh, New South Wales who can now get all of them for us. It was just awesome.
0: Yep. I feel like I'm going to sniff that part on the, uh, when I was on the radio last weekend and Lisa's like, why is Zali Godworthy so exciting? And I was like, oh, (laughs) well, (laughs) so like in years to come, I'm going to be like, oh, here's me talking about our Um, no, she's, she's amazing. Um, and actually I think that leads me really nicely. If you're finished with your Amazing. Yes, I'm finished now. We'll we'll talk about it more later, but yes. Oh, we're going to talk about uh, it more now um, because I'm going to move into my Paige Scott negative three flop of the week, and I'm sure that we will do this at the end of the season, but I'm going to make it a flop of the the season, which is me starting with Zali Goldsworthy. Fantastic. And the only reason I traded her out, I did not want to trade her out. The only reason I did that was because I wanted money to get my namesake when she came back in in round three. I traded Goldsworthy down to make some cash so I could get Bowers for no other reason other than she had made uh, quite a lot of money for me already. And I went, oh, that's one I'm going to regret. But I love Bowers and I put my heart over my head and now I don't have Goldsworthy. So, but starting with her was good.
1: (laughs) Props props to start with her for her 26 in round one. Yep. That would have been
0: tough. (laughs) Oh, golly. Um. Will is not here, but his neg three is going to probably get divvied up between two players. He had Wardlaw and Haw, who, but like, mm, Haw, he can be forgiven for not trading her out. I think he had a couple of other trades maybe to do last week. Um, Still a disappointing score, but one that we saw coming. Wardlaw was just quite unfortunate, I would say, more so. She has been playing in a She's been getting kind of the points from that. But for whatever reason against Frio just couldn't get it across the line. Yeah.
1: It was it was a very odd, uh, some uh, some very odd choices made. And also she just couldn't really take any marks. She was very well held by a surprisingly good rookie. Well, r- rookie in a fantasy sense, but only a second year player. Maddie Scanlon put together mm. a pretty top notch performance on Jesse Wardlaw, backed up by Laura Pugh and Emma O'Driscoll. So, uh, really unfortunate. Twenty nine, and what's even more surprising, that still includes thirteen hitouts. Whereas yeah. last week it was seventy five on the top of on the back of fourteen hitouts and two goals. So that's a tough one when your pod goes poorly. Yeah. And a player you've just traded out goes and puts a hundred plus on that score. It's going to be hard to really have a bump a week.
0: Hmm. Fifteen hundred though, not too bad. But yeah.
1: Not too bad at all.
0: Well. Objectively, not too bad. But then when you compare it to our watch and wait scoreboard.
1: Well, hang on. I've got to do my page, Scott Minus 3. Yep. Yeah. It's um, it's to Ella Roberts and Windy Hill. Um, Windy Hill for ruining Ella <laughs> Roberts. And then also just one of those frustrating performances where I get the sense now that when West Coast go up against kind of top four sides... Uh, Ella Roberts spends more time on the ball. And she's done that the last two times she's played Brisbane. She gets up really high against the Bombers. And I think with some understanding, the wind was just going to wreak havoc with this game. She spent most of the beginning of each quarter as the second deepest forward. So in Mm. West Coast midfield structure, they had three forwards lined up on the forward 50 arc, one forward lining up in the gold square. And then in between those two lines was Ella Roberts. And... She was pretty well held. She gave away some soft free kicks. She did actually come up against um, a Bombers defender who can actually match her for speed and endurance and, and ground coverage in Georgia Clark, who just quietly isn't you know one of the few bits of free... I'm actually refreshed by how good Essendon's AFLW free agency is compared to what they do in the men's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just put up a, a really, really tough score. And also just made worse by the fact that she's got a beautiful pair of hands, but I think both teams had fewer than like 28 marks yesterday because the conditions were so crap. Mm. and It's so hard to take great marks in the wind. It's just blowing around everywhere. And Roberts is definitely someone who suffered from that. So it's in part for Roberts' performance that it's also just Windy Hill and the conditions that just made for a crap crap score to, to end what otherwise would have been a, a bumper round.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not quite fantasy related, but... The only good thing to come out of that game was that Will went uh in hope to meet some of the well our interviewees for the West Coast episode um and of
1: the three of them that we had
0: Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um and he managed to meet all of them including Ella Roberts which is fantastic but they, they were super happy because they just won unexpectedly so that made for some good times for him uh not so good times to for say I
1: didn't hang around I was out fast.
0: Okay, fair. Um, as a uh, what do you call it when you don't really have a side? A neutral, a neutral watcher. Um, I don't think Will was as upset, but yes, very fair. Okay, so Sweet Sixteen. It's about watch time. Oh my god! No, to watch and wait.
1: <laughs> just, <laughs> just jumping ahead a section every time.
0: I've got to get, get get on control. So watch and wait. Will's scoreboard. He's once again not here to do. I might just run through it very quickly. Fithus, um, someone we've mentioned quite a lot, still top of the competition. Well done to whoever you are. That is very impressive to stay there for so long. The score to stay in this week, yeah, 1575. So huge, huge par, but like explains why we've shuffled up a little bit there. Um, of course, the highest in our league is once again Fithus. And 30, once again, uh, 33 players in our league are in the top 100, so maintaining our share there.
1: Yeah. Oh. The one thing I did want to talk about before we move off the will watch and wait scoreboard, the tight grouping at the top of the of the leaderboard. It's going to be fascinating in this final, coming into these final two rounds. Mm. So Fidus has been on top for like a month, right? Yeah. It has really been pretty dominant. Um, then you've got Briny's Regretta, who are only 19 points back, and then 31 points ahead of Brett's Mecca, there are only 41 points separating the top five in rank. Ooh. So we've seen already this year that like all it takes is captaining a Jazz Garner for an 85 and then someone else captaining Gardiner or Rowbottom for 140. And that lead is going to be erased. And we could see actually some real big movement because I think each of the other people in the top five gained on fitness this week. So I really, I really am fascinated by this. I'm, I don't get to experience it myself because I'm not up that high, and I probably never will be. Well, not, not again. Uh, so I don't envy these people that have to go through this, but it's going to be fascinating to watch from the sidelines.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That was a very relevant captain mistake that you just pulled out there. That is what I did.
1: I couldn't imagine why I mentioned that in oh. specific example whatsoever.
0: I, I looked at. Hatchard, uh, not Hatchard. I looked at Noffy and I was like, great score. Nah, we'll wait. 138. Then I looked at, I think it was Rowbottom next. Oh, no, then it was Gardner, 134. And I was like, nah, we'll wait. Rowbottom, 121. Nah. I've seen higher already. We'll wait for Garner. Oh, boy. (laughs) And then she gets 86 and I go, well, that's what I get for being too picky.
1: You chanced your arm. I, I'm so glad that I made the choice to take the VC on row bottom for that 121. I was, I was a bit disappointed. I'd gone row bottom over Gardner. Gardner had got that late bump of like nine points, huge bump after the game had ended. And I was like, mm. oh, damn, oh, do I chase something bigger? And I'm like, no, nah, like, I, I need to be consistent. Like I said, like, somewhere between 120 to 125 is that is what I will take guaranteed. Yeah. So I stuck with it, and it already sucked watching Ghana to go 80s, Riddell be on 19 points midway through the third quarter. Gee whiz, I'm so glad. I'm so, so glad I didn't have to have the additional pressure of, oh, and your captain sucks this week too.
0: Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> yep. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> actually I think I got it right last week, but I am traditionally bad at captaining, so... Oh, well, we digress. So for our hot topics today, Sweet 16 recap. Probably need to be doing another one of these. Then we're going to have a look at some pods. So Will is not here to talk through his, but I've got Carney, um, number one for D1. I think she's very consistent, and in round nine, she's playing Adelaide, so I think that'll be good. Second, I've got O'Driscoll. This is a surprise one, and I'm hesitant on Frio, but I think the role and the fixture are putting her very well placed. If we're just looking at the next two weeks of scores alone, I think she'll be okay. Then I've got Thomas. They're playing Bulldogs this coming week, round nine, and I can't see that being a particularly good game for fantasy scoring necessarily. It could be really good because you've got two low teams, or it could be really bad, and I'm just kind of betting really bad here. Then I've got Sheeran. And in D five, Evans because GWS suck and they're playing Gold Coast and then Port Adelaide and I just think that
1: that's a, that's a good matchup. What about you? Yeah, I'm yeah. Interest. So I've got Carney as well at one. I've got Charlie Thomas at two because again, I'm pretty sure it's two good matchups in a row. And I think I just I just like the fact that she takes all the kick-ins like. West Coast will give up a score pretty much no matter what, and she's kind of banked to 15 points per game off kick-ins. Do
0: you think they'll be good, good against coming out of the square. Bulldogs?
1: I think that I think that, that game will actually be quite equal.
0: Okay. Because
1: I think that, like, West, like the Bulldogs still have some players. I, I still think the Bulldogs can put up somewhat of a score. So I think she'll bank at least 12 to 15 points. Mm-hmm. She can be at that 65, 70s, even in the worst conditions possible. True. So I think it's fine. I've got Ann Stannett at three and O'Driscoll at four. And I've really ard on Stannett because she's got an awesome matchup in the final round. Mm-hmm. They've got Sydney. And I really think that Sydney playing is basically a full-time midfielder. She's probably going to lay a lot of tackles. I think she could do something similar to what she did on the weekend. My concern is it's Melbourne this week. Yeah, and I'm just undenied, um, and I'm just kind of hoping that it's a. We we saw Mia King have a I think a twelve thirteen tackle performance on the weekend for North Melbourne. I don't know if Stannard is as good a ball user as Mia King is, and it necessarily can get as many tackles. But I think she might be able to still be at a level where what she scores next week, what she scores sorry in the final round against Sydney. Means that she'll still be a, a D3. And then O'Driscoll, like you said earlier, I think it's two great matchups in a row. And again, extremely consistent. She doesn't take kick ins, but she's that main distributor off halfback yep. and can kind of score pretty much whenever. And she does. And I know it sounds, I've, I've talked about it before, but like she's a very consistent interceptor, which is pretty impressive given it's often very inconsistent game to game. And then I've actually got Ellerheads at D5. Because it's two good matchups in a row, if I remember correctly. So Collingwood this week, it's neutral. But I think the big thing for for heads was the fact that Lauren Zagetti didn't play. Heads became a much more important cog in that back line. Mm-hmm. And there was some attention that went to Lucy McAvoy at points during this game. So I don't know if '80s are going to be on the cards in each of the next two weeks, but I think '70s from both games can be expected.
0: Yeah, look, um, that's Alter is pretty much a combination of what Will has. So he's also got Carney first, he's also got Thomas second. Um, he brings in Emmonson. I don't know if this is a bias because of Geelong slash the opposite, the other player he was going to trade in for Gunjaka slash someone he actually has, but fair. I mean, she's up there with the with the score. Then he has Tanner and then he has O'Driscoll. So. Yeah. You've got some honorable mentions?
1: Yeah, I've got some honorable mentions. I think the two that you've got in your mel yours mel, I've got Sheeran and Evans. The thing that worries about me about Sheeran is that she is actually someone that teams look to put a tag on in defense uh and it's happened each of the last two of the last three weeks had a horrendous score um against Hawthorne when we would have expected better. Now, it's not a great matchup this week going up against Geelong, given mm. that Geelong are a really good pressure side. And I also would expect them to be that well-coached team to, who might look to put some pressure on Sheeran to, um, to play well. And they were the ones who got the, the front row seat last year in round one to a near best on ground performance in her first ever game. So I expect some pressure to go there, at least in part. And then Evans, I agree, G- GWS suck. I think the reason she's not in my top five is that the, the coaching staff at GWS just appeared to throw everyone in different positions. Garnett forward, Tani Evans forward, Nicola Barr in a back pocket, Hanin Zareka, you know, in the ruck. Renee Karras, full forward, Tegan Germit midfielder, like, it was ridiculous. It appeared to be, we can't change game style, so we'll just change positions. (laughs) And Tani Evans kind of got caught up in the tornado that was just happening. It was honestly like it was a training drill where it was like, go to another position for school day. Like, it was ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Uh, So
1: that's why she's not in my top five. And then Emerson is not in my top five and is only an honourable mention because she has the worst matchup this week with Richmond. Would not want to touch that. It's the toughest matchup for defenders. Them alongside Essendon, are, yeah, very, very, very restrictive given how high a press they play and they really do force you to be accountable on every single forward. So I think that's why she's out of my top five. If you can bring her in next week, I think that's totally fine. I think she'll get a much better role against Hawthorne.
0: Yep, sounds good. I have gone, I heard your honourable mentions last time we did this, and I've decided to put in a, oh gosh, I was going to say honourable unmention, and I've just realised, dismention? <laughs> What's the better word there?
1: Unmention, ho- honourable, honourable... Neither are words, are they? Uh, no, that you wouldn't use it in this context, so the, the hum versus the HM works, it's fine. Yeah,
0: great. So in honourable unmentions, this is people that deliberately left out of the top five or our sweet 16, just want to emphasise priest we were if, if anyone didn't trade her out last week because they were like Sad. maybe that role comes back against frio maybe they decide that they do really want to win um and then they put it back in the midfield that's i didn't quite watch the game but she got a very low score of it's not in front of me 38. Yeah, 36 38 um, 36 like no nah, that's too much money she lost another was it 71k No, another 192k. So she's actually now gone down in money in total 71k from where she started. Get her out.
1: So for the people that held, like, that's unfortunate, but you put faith in Nick Del Santa to do the right thing and therefore you fail.
0: (laughs) I opened up Uh, that one. uh, Yeah. And you have an honourable unmentioned too?
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, Belinda Smith really just didn't show much and I... I'm just concerned that we might have just seen the best of her performances and we may not, uh, we may not see those again. I think we saw a much better game from Evie Gucci and Sophie McDonald. I don't know if she would be someone I'm targeting and I don't trust her scoring kind of at this stage in the season given she's shown the potential to go 30s or 40s and she can also score 80s and 90s.
0: Yeah, fair. In our midfield... I might go first again just because I'm seeing a high correlation between my five and Will's five. So in M1, we both have Noffy, Elite. Uh, in M2, we both have Ghana, And I've gone Ghana for M2 because I think she finishes the season strong or strong-ish. She's got a lot of experience. She's got a lot of energy to prove that she can keep up those high scores throughout the whole season. And... I'm only mentioning this because in third is Rowbottom, that Will and I both have Rowbottom in third, and I think Rowbottom and Ghana and Noffi are all going to be quite, quite close together. But just notching Rowbottom down a little bit there, just lack of experience, and she finished the end of the season a little bit lower last year, so maybe she runs out of energy, not sure. M4 we've both put Riddell because she's amazing. And M5, interestingly, Will and I have both put Conti, who I am very excited. She's back as someone that can be seriously considered for M5, but she's had a really good last couple of weeks. And if we've only got two weeks left, she's had a good two weeks. If she has another good two weeks, I don't know what has sparked this in her, but, um, yeah, just all out. Liam?
1: Uh, what sparked it in her? It's, um, one, she's an excellent footballer. Um, you know, I think she has some flaws in terms of her impact on games, but I also think that that part of that comes down to the fact that she is very taggable. Now, I think that uh, Beck God, but God Goddard made an interesting choice to run no attention on Monconti, have their midfields go mano a e mano, mm. which is a mistake. The reason why Monconti is so inconsistent as a scorer, to make her tough to pick, is that she often cops a tag, so. She goes up against the Suns and scores 80 and she cops stoppage attention from GWS, scores 84 and Fremantle do nothing. She scores 121 and then Hawks do actively less than nothing, put more time into Eilish year and she basically wins the game for Richmond.
0: Yes, but now they're coming up against Geelong.
1: And this is the reason I don't have her in my top five is that I think she's gone. She's coming up against two better coach teams.
0: She is, but she's put more
1: attention to, to stopping her.
0: They might, yeah, and they probably will, but they're not traditionally tagging teams. Like that down week when she was on Gold Coast makes sense. Yes? Yeah. I can see I, you rebutting I, already. I it's,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's more just a case of, like, I think she kind of goes back to that 100 level. Say, for example, like, she goes up against Carlton, who put some stoppage attention into her, but, you know, they haven't really got a notable tagger. Versus no stoppage attention, no identifiable game plan to stop someone who, you know, if you don't try and do things to stop her, she is quite skilled. And if you don't force her to go backwards out of the stoppage, her speed will break games apart. I think that both Geelong and Collingwood have shown themselves to be restrictive teams, generally. But I think I just trust that they will put more time and effort into trying to stop Monconti. Hmm. I still think she'll be fine. I don't think she's going to have floor scores. I don't think it's going to be like Jenna Bruton, 60. I think (laughs) it's just going to be, you know, 95 to 105, 110. I don't know if we're going to see anything close to 146 again.
0: And why don't you run us through
1: your five? Yeah, happy to. So starting off with Marinoff, and here's where I get interesting. (laughs) I've got Rowbottom at two. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I've got Garner at three, Riddell at four, and then... I'll talk about M5 and honourable mentions in a minute. But, okay, here's my thinking for Rowbottom and Ghana. Rowbottom has just the juiciest of all juicy ones this week up against GWS at their home ground at night. So I'm thinking it's going to be a ground where she scored 140 before. It's probably going to be pretty slippy kind of dewy evening up on the Gold Coast on a Friday night, that tells me there's probably going to be a bunch of stoppages. GWS are going to be without Elise Parker and yeah. are only just going to be getting Beck Beeson back. And we've talked about the fact that, you know, Robottom scored 121 on the weekend and she had a she had Maria Maloney basically backpacking her at every single stoppage through the entire game. She still scores 121. There's no backpack equivalent. Like Maria Maloney is a very squat, quite strong player for her size. There is not an equivalent at GWS who can stop her. Mm. She's that strong. I think she will be incredible versus I would be surprised if there's not some form of attention from Chelsea Randall going to Ghana this week. That's my prediction. So even even though Shelly Heath Shelley, and Shelly Heath went to to Ghana on the weekend, uh, and that did have an impact on her scoring, I think it was also just the game flow necessarily. Ghana wasn't getting those tackles or those marks to really give her a good score, and I think that's kind of what you see the difference between in Melbourne, who've been at this kind of super pointy end of the. The kind of games before versus North Melbourne, who allowed themselves to to be pushed to give players ball to some of their less efficient users of the football, I think we're going to see more of that as well from Adelaide this week. I think she's going to see some attention from from Randall, kind of pushes her scoring down a little bit, even though she got an awesome game in the final game oh, or in the final round.
0: Well, speaking of Adelaide, in terms of, yeah,
1: yes. In terms of Adelaide, at the moment, I have Hatch out at M5. But it's got a little asterisk, which is kind of injury-related. I think that we're going to still see some great scoring from Hatch. The concern there is that she's off the back of two pretty average scores, which we don't really love to see. Um, But on the plus side, there's still a possibility that that top spot on the ladder is going to be up for grabs by the time they're playing their final game of the season against West Coast. And I would be tipping that she's a big game player who kicks goals in important matches and putting together a really big score and really crushing West Coast is going to be pretty important for them. So she's still in my top five, kind of with that injury asterisk. Mm. And then in terms of my honourable mentions, I think that Ellie Anderson going up against St Kilda this week, it's going to be a bit of downhill sledding. Um, they're gonna you know really want to try and push back up into the top two of the ladder. and she's been remarkably consistent and I think she has 120 point plus ceiling. so I really like what she's going to be able to do this week. I've also got in there Dave, Bree Davy because of the matchup she's also got this week. We saw what Blackburn did even with some tanker Kennedy attention. I think Brie Davies in some really, really hot form, laying a lot of tackles and just drifting in off that half-forward line. I also think Conti a, has a decent chance to kind of be in that top five as well as uh, Kiara Bowers, again, with an injury asterisk, but she scored awesome points per minute-wise on the weekend.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I put in the honourable dismentions or unmentions for this reason to talk about Bowers just briefly, which is... Uh, she had 65% time on ground and got a – which, you know, we saw from her in round four as well, um, an 83. Fine. Her tackles are down. We saw her be her real self in round two when she came in and got 17 tackles for a big score. She only got seven. She's obviously – I mean, points, on, points per minute is fine, um, but when you're not playing that many minutes and you're not doing your signature move, to me this is an absolute no. For this price – she just lost um, 173 grand last week. She's still very expensive. I would, if you're looking for a midfield upgrade, I would be staying away from Bowers because if she goes a little bit too hard in, in a game and hurts herself again and gets a lower time on ground, she's out. And the way that you, you pick Bowers because of her tackling power, we're not really seeing that. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I'm fully on board with all of that. I think the only reason... I'd be getting her next week after this Melbourne game they're playing this week, uh, and just in the hope that Fremantle Fremantle still have a, a, you know, a tiny tiny chance to make finals, and she's able to kind of get through healthy. So I, I think it's more that as much as we didn't see all the tackles, she was still covering the ground okay, and I think there was a, a spurt in maybe like three minutes after she'd spent, you know, most of the second quarter off. She came onto the ground at 15 to 20 points and scored 22 points in three minutes. Like, blitzed it completely. Like, she still has that burst scoring potential that I don't know if anyone else really has outside of, like, Riddell and Robottom this year just to get from all these different point scoring and all these different avenues. So she's in there... Just with all the asterisks and all the caveats, I'm not trading her in this week. She'll possibly rate a mention if healthy next weekend, Fremantle actually have ch- ch- finals to play for. Yeah. She's too
0: she's too many asterisks for me to consider putting her anywhere near a round eight, sweet 16. Um, and the other one that I'm confident enough to not put anywhere near my Ryan eh, near my round eight, sweet 16, is George Pris-Barkas. Um, On one of our recent chats, I can't even remember when, but it was kind of floated like if Prasparkas didn't get a 147 in round one, is she still a uber elite midfielder? Or, and uber I think, Primo. Uber Primo, and I think the answer is no. And uh, I think we're continuing to see that. I think she's still a very good option if you're looking for um, an M5 uh, and you're not really... You're you a bit strapped for cash in some other areas. She is someone that you could consider there, maybe, but I think that it would be more of a, a last resort rather than someone that you're aiming for.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think honestly, you know, she's just someone that teams have put a lot of attention and thought into stopping, and that kind of shows
0: mm, It's working. And we'll probably <laughs>
1: see some we'll probably see some more this week from uh, from Hosking.
0: Yeah, I mean like teams had a whole Entire off-season to figure out when we play Geelong, how do we stop explosive Georgie Posparkas? And it, it's worked. It shows. <laughs> yeah. You have an unmention? I have an unmention and it's Tilly Lucas-Rod.
1: Uh, she's someone that people had floated as having the ceiling, but we saw the floor again. And I could almost say the same for Jenna Bruton. I'm glad that my somewhat trepidation on Jenna Bruton came to fruition. On the, on the weekend because I've just been saying that like you know some she's gonna score a 50, 60 again she's just not gonna you know have that mega score and unfortunately I said that for two weeks in a row and she scored two hundred and fifteen pluses.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So not one in your top five. No. I think uh, the rucks are fairly obvious after last week um we saw the carnage we saw jess good out uh with her ankle um and that put an immediate uh star on brianne moody who has gone and absolutely smashed it as we kind of knew she could she's finally been given that opportunity i think uh some people were considering which ruck to be trading into last week if they had a morpher and it was like do you go moody do you go strom congratulations if you went moody uh, I don't know if we need to discuss that one much more. Do you have any contrary opinions? Um,
1: not really. I think it's uh, it's definitely... Well, actually, the thing I will say, if you've still got Schultz, you'll have a smorgasbord of options to potentially trade or she can hold her in the final week. That's going to be fascinating in round 10 mm. because Brienne is rucking against Sim Simnolder uh, Strom is rucking against the the Gaggle at, <laughs> uh, at Sydney. And then Schultz is going to be going up against the Gaggle times four at GWS. So it's going to be fascinating.
0: Yes. Um, do you still have Schultz?
1: I still have Schultz. I held Schultz for that 78, 79. So I was only six points down on Strom which we love. Nice.
0: I think this is a funny one of like kind of heads and shoulders fall into that same bucket for me of like kind of considered trading them out at certain times but haven't had enough money or number of trades. So I've just been like, yeah, you're okay. You can stay. There's bigger problems to solve. And I'm like, hmm, pretty happy with that. On to the forwards. Do you want to start with yours and then I might just copy paste?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, I've gone – Gardner at Uno, uh, Too Good at F, Too Good, Zali at three, <laughs> Malloy at four, and then I've gone Kate Hoare at five.
0: Interesting. I got the same one. Well, Gardner obviously Too Good. She only had a low week because that was an unexpected loss. Zali is nuts. Malloy, um, she's going up against Collingwood, where she's going to hopefully have that same immense passion and I wouldn't say anger that she showed on the weekend. She might even be higher depending on how big that goes. And then I've got Frederick as F5 and I've actually put whore in my honourable unmentions. Do you want to give your spiel on whore?
1: Yes, I do. I think it really, this one could probably also come from with an asterisk and it's not so much for Kate whore, but it's for Taylor Harris. I think if Taylor Harris is back, I think they structure up a lot better to allow Hoare to score and to just get those, you know, she cops less attention on those little short 12-meter passes, I like to call them, that gives her all those shots on goal. She just didn't have that same spot on the weekend, and it really showed in her overall fantasy score. And she was also going up against the best scoring defense in the competition, I think if Taylor Harris is back, I can see an 80 each of the next two weeks, and I, I do think that that could be enough, given we know that my version of an 80 could very well be, you know, 100, 105 if she kicks a bag, uh, which is she's done in the past mm. in these final rounds of the season to really get Melbourne up the ladder. So that's why she's up there, but it's not a it's not a guarantee.
0: Yeah. I've called on Hoare because – the goal kicking was a large portion of her points and I think we've seen that get shared out a little bit more because Melbourne have been doing particularly well and then, like you said, the Harris out, which puts a question mark on her for me. I'd want to see more before I have any confidence. So I've actually put her in a, on a one mention because I'm not seeing enough to make me think that she's going to have a very good next two games. But what I have swapped seed over here is Frederick is my F5. She's had a surprisingly very good run. She's definitely not a four, but we'll, we'll say that now. She's playing in the ruck, but she's had a really good last two rounds and she's making her points through a tremendous amount of hit-outs and then also tackles. So good amount of tackles, good amount of hit-outs. If she can get a couple of kicks in there as well, so if Collingwood can be in control of the game, she is fantastic. And she has this amazing role where there's not anyone else that's subbing in for her. Um, I think it was Alison Downey retired last season. They don't really... Do they have any other real ruck positions there? No. It got to the point on the weekend where uh, Frederick's run off for like a breather and she's run all the way over to the bench. She's got there. She's had to turn around and immediately go back on because after that goal it was a um, back into the centre square and they didn't have a ruck. So she gets off, takes one breath and goes straight back on so that they can keep playing. <laughs> It's just she's required and she's got a really good role that means that as long as she's getting this hit out, she's going to get 70s minimum. So I'm quite happy with that.
1: And beautiful matchup this yeah. week up against the combination of Lexi Hamilton and yeah. Bella Smith who... You know, too much less experienced, lighter bodies. And that's I think the amazing thing about Sad's Frederick is that she's got the endurance to cover the ground, but she had a really great score on the weekend because she was just so much stronger yeah. and bigger than this. She's Ford. height
0: and strong. Like she's she's gotten them both.
1: She might have scored like hundred and twenty if they'd played Erin Hall. Mm. I, I legit think that like it would have been yeah, it would have been fascinating to watch. But I, I'm I've got Frederick in my honourable mentions if only because I'm still tossing up what it's going to look like when they go up against uh, Richmond in the final round of the season. It is at Victoria Park, which I like. I'm hoping for some bad mm-hmm. weather again. I definitely think she benefits from that you know, wetter, more tackle-heavy conditions with lots of uh, contested ball, and that's how Collingwood have won each of the last two weeks. I'm really hoping they continue that. But Gaby Seymour is kind of the anti-Sabs Frederick. She's this hyper-athletic... Covers a massive amount of ground, but but she's she's like short. an
0: undersized ruck, an undersized petite ruck. Like I think we've got the the benefits that Frederick have still hold.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's but it's just going to be fascinating because Richmond themselves are a pretty restrictive team for rucks, mm-hmm. and just generally they they play a relatively restrictive game style.
0: Yeah. So Will had the same. Yes, he had all the same as me, just a slightly different order he swapped um malloy and frederick there which is bold and my also my there's a name missing pardon
1: there's a name missing from our rankings that we would have had in there yes at every other point this year well i've
0: got a second uh, honorable unmention here which is morrison i think that is that who you're referring to
1: Yes, uh, the dishonourable mention, which I'm only just going to mention it now that we've uh, gone through the entire segment, that that's probably what you would call them if you were going to do it.
0: Yep. Yep. Not honourable (laughs) dismention. God, um, I am good with (laughs) Honourable
1: unmentioned. I just thought I was going to, I would just wait (laughs) to see if you would figure out what it was meant to be. Uh, But yeah, your dishonourable mention would be Nina Morrison.
0: Yeah. Couple of quieter weeks, pretty much since round five. I think that, yeah, it's just a, a slowing of kind of everything across the scoreboard and it's almost trends with like Geelong doing slightly less well maybe. What do you put it down to? Yeah.
1: Uh, I think part of it comes down to what we somewhat predicted would happen when, um, oh my goodness, what's her name? Beck Webster came back mm. in. There's just an extra a body in there. It was looking like it was going to be all right, uh, but then I think the readdition of Darcy Maloney back in as a centre bounce midfielder, meaning Nina had been at that kind of seventy seventy five percent CBA midfielder uh, for a, the good like six weeks of the season, but then in the last two weeks had zero in round seven mm-hmm. and then fifty percent on the weekend, whereas Darcy Maloney has now kind of bumped back up to basically 50% as well. Even if Beck Webster's not there, she's playing like a high halfback role. It's just really stopping Nina from from getting up to those 100 scores again.
0: Yeah. She and kind it's of,
1: frustrating to watch because she's still super high impact, but it's just not the same fantasy impact now.
0: Yeah. She's kind of one, it's unfortunate that they're both in the same side, but these are two players that in previous years from fantasy perspective, they're young, they're energetic, they're... Absolutely smashing it. There's people that would stay in your side the whole time, but both um, Georgie Bosparkas and Nina Morrison are just kind of mm, fine, fine for the fifth kind of sixth row maybe in your side, but we're seeing some potential much better matchups and much higher energy kind of players coming through. So I actually, I'm trading Morrison out this week. She's uh, strong enough on my
1: honourable mentions, Dishonourable mentions. Uh, <laughs> she's also on the chopping block for me because of the role change that we've seen. I really wish it was a situation where you know Darcy Maloney was going back to that 10% CBA role, because then I don't think we'd trade out Morrison. But given her very high ownership amongst the highly ranked teams, uh, she is a potential pod trade out, an unpod as it's called.
0: <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh, gosh. Well, speaking of pods then, we might run through a couple of names.
1: Yeah, sure. Lord.
0: So, what I was thinking was, as someone that's in the top 1,000 and not in the top 100, I wonder if there's any kind of obvious disparities between players that are highly owned in the top 1,000 and not so much in the top 100. Like, they've either traded them out or never picked them up in the first place, and vice versa. I'm just going to run some information by you and see how you react to it. So, with the defenders, um, I have just realised that my bid and that did not upload for Season 8 trades. So... Uh, and it won't upload for me anytime soon because it's very annoying on my computer. So, Liam, why don't you run us through some of the defender disparities?
1: So, uh, I think what's really interesting is that I'd say amongst the top 100, it's very consistent who three defenders are in teams, and that's Tani, Evan Schult, Thomas, and Emma Carney. What's really interesting is that there's a nearly 20% difference between Carney in the top 100 versus the top 1000 Mm. uh, which I find absolutely fascinating now where it gets really interesting is the fact that we have for weeks been talking about the fact that like don't fiddle too much with your backline like don't fiddle with your D5 and that is a hundred percent showing in the stats yeah because the next most highly owned defender defender so it goes like Sheeran at 63% the next most highly owned is Ange Stannard at 31 Yeah.
0: Actually that holds Which, true. It just fell off there was like a thirty five percent drop off a cliff from this morning and I was like, Whoa, this this is a standardized backline. Like there were five players that here. over thirty five percent owned and they're all in the sixties, seventies minimum.
1: Yeah, what I so in terms of like the biggest disparity, I would say that like Gab Pound is at twenty four percent in the top one K and only nine percent in the top one hundred is like one of the most startling, but in terms of picking pods in your defenders, it is the toughest line to give any advice because I cannot, in good conscience, give you a strong hard take. Like if Ange Stannett right didn't have Melbourne this week, let's say it was just like some bogo average like Collingwood, right? That's basically neutral for defenders. She would be the prime, like prime upgrade target. At she's less than 40% owned in top 1K and top 100. Perfect. Melbourne this week makes it tough. I you know, you're gonna have to make some tough choices, but I I can't recommend any pods out and you know, that's it. That you know, you're just gonna have to you're gonna have to suffer.
0: Excellent. This is a great way to start the pod section by being like, I can't recommend any pods.
1: Cool. I can't recommend any pods on the stats like this. I yeah. can't say like here's the big disparity. It's like everyone is basically different outside of their top three to four. Yeah, yeah. Like if you've got Evans, Thomas, Carney, Sheeran you're just painting with random colours at D5. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think what's interesting to me is that the midfielders was a little bit, like there was something a little bit more telling here. You'll have to check Liam to make sure that these are still accurate, but since my bit in that keeps crashing. Um, but owned in the top 1,000, more than top 100, we've got Benici, big difference there, 10% more owned in top 1,000. Davy. Even yeah. even more so. And then T. Smith, only 1% have in the top 100 have held her. So that's implying that everyone else in top 100 has upgraded their M5. But a, a good chunk of people in the top 1,000 still have her, which is actually good because all three of those players have been doing quite well. So to me that kind of has a bit of a potential to be knocking some people out of that top 100. So if you're in the top 1,000 and you've still got these players, I say still because I don't see you trading any of them back in per se, but if you still got them, they could be a oh, well, good place.
1: Collingwood. Collingwood you could potentially trade back in. No, I I think the big thing is if you've got Tiana Smith, she's done amazingly for you, you need to find a pod trade in this week because it's Brisbane's match-up. Ah. And St Kilda are going to get run over like a small fluffy animal in front of a steam train.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so gruesome. Yeah, but I found that quite fascinating then, um, especially because – Benici and Davy are both getting respectable scores for an M5 position. And just over onto the forwards, using the same logic, um, owned more, oh, you'll have to update and check this for me, but owned more in the top 100 than 1,000, Morrison. So 83, like quite highly owned in the top uh, 100 when I last looked, Kate Hall and Izzy Huntington. These are all plays kind of on the flip side to what we just spoke about that haven't done that well recently. And that could be why we saw people like you and I go up 200-plus spots in the ranks. Yeah.
1: What was really interesting is that, so I think from those week Seven Sets, the most telling one, is that it's near perfect equalization on Kate Hoare. It's now 54%, top 153.4%, top mm. 1,000, which basically said that everyone else's team kind of sifted through to a more natural level. Now that Kate Haw kind of came back to the pack a little bit, yep. and who would have been another popular player to have? I, I'm pretty sure that Zali Goldsworthy was below 40% ownership in the top 1,000 and top 100. She's now at 63%. Mm.
0: Yep, that makes sense. I mean, you got to break the bank to get her because she's now very expensive. But yeah, if it's kind of like a, it's like a Bowers from last season when you're at this point where you're like, well, if I don't have her and she goes big, I'm screwed. For sure. Do you disagree?
1: No, no, no. Oh. I, I, I 100% agree. I just, like, it's frustrating that, you know, you you don't want to trade expecting 160s. Uh, I think the, oh, I would have said if we'd done this podcast, like maybe two hours ago, I would have said, oh, I worry that if Lucy Single is going to go to anyone, like when Zali's there, maybe they throw Lucy Single. But she's been offered a one-match ban at the tribunal. Oh, has she? Single. So,
0: look at us yeah, on the pulse.
1: Usually, yeah, it's got my finger on the pulse before the pod. So, yeah, it's uh, I think that uh, in terms of the difference in ownership, it's fascinating to see how that's kind of changed. In terms of the biggest differences now, yeah, Zali's the, the most telling one, 43% top 1K, 63% in the top 100. Uh, and, yeah, basically uh, everyone... So, Bonnie Too Good is one of eight forwards with more than 48% ownership in the top 100 the next highest, Nicola Barr with thirteen.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And that's that's including rookies. So Izzy Huntington at seventy-five percent. So that's that should tell you that everyone's forward lines are pretty stacked, which is why I think there's gonna be a lot of pod choices. Yeah. Particularly for Morrison and Hoare this week.
0: Yes. And yeah, that's why I found that so fascinating. I was like, these are two players that are highly owned and didn't do that well. This kind of explains it. Um on the flip side, Aaron Phillips. Eight percent owned in the top 1,000, only one person at time of getting these stats had her in the top 100. So, you know, she's a nice, unique. You could trade in if you wanted to, Liam. Or you could put her on your bench.
1: <laughs> she is... Whoever, whoever that, that sad person, not because I think their team is sad, but they will have been sad having to watch Aaron Phillips at the time this year has dropped out of the top 100 this week.
0: Yeah. Well... Some of the other players then that have had a good run for the last three weeks and are lowly owned in both the top 1,000 and top 100 and have kind of decent break-evens. These were the requirements I put on for myself this week to find some players to throw at you. However, I got distracted during the midfielders and didn't complete what I was doing there. But um, (laughs) here's some names for you. It's almost a rapid fire. Rapid fire with stats. On the defender's side, Brooke Brown. Actually, I'm going to give you all three at the same time. Sorry, Brooke Brown, not Brooke Brown. Brooke Walker. <laughs> Don't know where that came from.
1: There we go. The <laughs> other Brooke from Essendon.
0: Brooke Walker, Erica O'Shea, and Naomi Ferrers, all pretty much zero percent owned in both. All have a last three average in the mid sixties or fifty nine for Naomi, and all have break evens in the forties. These are people that have been improving every couple of round, kind of snack on up on us. Would you be considering any of these in any regard?
1: Brooke Walker is definitely on the watch list for me, uh, and would actually be a, a really—I can't actually remember what position she is for Marreras Magic, but it's the kind of—it's a Marreras Magic style of play. But if you're looking for a cash downgrade, she's been in a CBA role recently and has done really well in these kind of higher tackle games we've seen against Richmond, and then the stupidly high tackle one on the weekend. Mm. The query I would have had is what's going to happen when Jackie Vott comes back from her injury, which is possible in the next two weeks. I think you can still probably trade her in, at the very least for this week, because Steph Kane is going to miss some time. She got concussed on the weekend. Mm. She's been a top three CBA getter at Essendon this year. So Brooke Walker has the size that the Bombers want, and they may just keep her in the midfield. And this week's matchup, We've already seen that Carlton can play in some really high tackle games. I think Brooke Walker can put up another 70 uh, and and make it really good. In terms of the other two, I think Ferry, she's going to be the cheapest of the three. I think she's totally fine to to pick up. I think that there's two decent enough matchups for the Bulldogs, although I should just double-check that. On the scale of hardness, it is uh, not a great... It's a middling one this week and then an awesome one the week after, so... Possibly actually a play for next week as a downgrade for cash. Erica O'Shea gets to something I was mentioning earlier. She has had improvement a lot this season from someone who didn't really appear to have a far too much confidence for her possession skill, would suggest, but looked awesome running with the ball. Pretty much. She's kicking a lot more this year.
0: Yeah. Like, and you say she's been improving. Pretty much from, like, she's not one that I really thought about all at the start of the season. And then you get to round three. She's got, like, a lowish score. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Every week from that, she's just improved on fantasy score very consistently up to having a nice three-run average of 65. She's one that, yeah, based on her break-even, if she can even kind of continue what she's been doing, fantastic. And I believe this is only her second season? Yes, yes. only
1: her second season. So she's she's gone... Round 3 it started went 34 37 42 55 62 79. My flag here is a point that I mentioned earlier which is North Melbourne struggled in the weekend on the weekend in part because I think the the difficulty with Erica Roche is that she has a, a massive kick for someone her size and she's an incredible runner. She has 100% time on ground basically since round 4 she's only gone off the ground once. She has quite low kicking efficiency, like bottom 10 in the AFLW for people that have played. I think when I checked last week, it was more than five games. She's got very, very low kicking efficiency. So if I'm North Melbourne, I'm probably sitting there questioning, you know, are we making the best use of the ball, funneling more of the football to Erica O'Shea, who whilst is an amazing runner, isn't a very accurate kick. Mm. So... That's my only query there. I think she's looked great, but I think for someone, I just don't know if I'd want to trade someone in who's had two 30s this season. And I just don't think her role has changed too much. It looks like we've seen a bit of natural improvement, but I just query if there might actually be a decision more concretely to give some more of the football to their more established ball users and less time in the hands of, like, Gat and O'Shea, who are future great players but are just a little bit young and a bit inaccurate at the moment.
0: Mm, possibly. I do like the 100% time on ground. I think that has very good potential, but fair. For the mids, I only got up to <laughs> Nance Gorn and then I don't know what I went off to do, but um, she is fascinating because she's had a last three average of 100 and something, break even in the 70s. Like you mentioned before with uh, Walker and Rot and whatnot, there's been a few injuries and whatnot and shuffles going around at Essendon. She's not that highly owned, like we're talking single digits in both. Thoughts on her run?
1: Thoughts on her run. It is, in my mind, a good run for Midfielders, because I think that as much as the scale of hardness says the Gold Coast are hard, a lot of that comes from if you're playing against Lucy Single, Mm. everyone else is fine. Uh, And I don't think anyone's in there, like, no one's going to tag Jean Anscombe because she's just, like, it's not the type of, she doesn't play a taggable game style. She's not a run and spread, really dominate out of a stoppage type of thing. She's just in and under, get the ball out, or lay three tackles. I think that that means that she'll still score fine against Gold Coast in the final game of the season and she should also, like, Carlton are the perfect team. Like, if GWS can have, I think it when it happened, the, the highest number of tackles of all time, with 104, before both West Coast and Essendon did the same thing. Carlton are the perfect team to get tackled because they're good enough to get the ball but not so good that they can play keepings off. Yeah, that's... And so I think that Nance Gordon is a uh, is a fascinating option, and I think the same can be also said. You're talking about uh, people who've got low ownership, is Keely Shearer, who no, you know the Bombers are a tougher matchup. That's uh, there's a reason yeah, why I, I stopped here is
0: because I didn't want to mention Shira because I don't want anyone else to take her. <laughs> this was deliberate, Liam.
1: No, I think I think she'll be. Uh, I think she'll actually be pretty good. No, nah, no, nah, uh, she's gonna be. Crap. I, I know that the Bombers are a tough. I know the Bombers are a tougher matchup, but she's been the one who's been their best scorer in the tougher games and then up against St Kilda in the final round. I think that's a... She could be maybe not 122, but hundreds. Maybe, you know, 95 and 100 in each of the next two weeks. So not a bad option for super low ownership. Mm. One that I really want to talk about, because I think she's still going to be super low. Uh, Yeah, 3% in the top 100, eight and 8% in the top 1K. And that's Allie Anderson. Mm. So... A very very big pod at below one point two million at the moment, going up against St Kilda this week. Easiest matchup for midfielders. I I think that this is another ceiling score for Ali. It's just what do we think is going to happen in round ten when they go up against Melbourne? Because other if if that was again one of those like middling matchups, if it was like Collingwood or Richmond. I'd, I'd be launching into Ali Anderson.
0: It's tricky because I'm not sure if I'd be taking a player for that price in my midfield where you've got so many big dogs for a one-out-of-two-week matchup with a question mark on the yeah. second one. If, it was, if we had four weeks left and there was one week of a question mark, I'd be like, yeah, go for it. They're only Brisbane, well, she's only played St Kilda once in Season 6, and she got a 52.
1: I don't. Yeah, different, different alley.
0: Different alley, different time. But yeah, I don't know. That's, but you know, could be a good pod.
1: Yeah, it's it's one that I'm certainly looking at because she's probably been the most consistent of those edge of Uma Primos, mm. and I think she's got a ceiling coming up this week.
0: Oh, now can you do me a favor? My bit in that. Oh, it's yes. finally loaded. I wanted to see how much Brienne Moody is owned in the top hundred now. Um, Because when I last checked, she was 1%. Oh, really? Mine's saying 33% owned in the top 100. Uh, I have no idea what my stats are doing. Sorry,
1: sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. I know why I I got that wrong. People will have been looping. You can do that again.
0: So for the Rucks, I was looking at how highly owned Brianne Moody was when I was doing these, I don't know, a few hours ago, not that long ago. And... I don't know if I was looking at the wrong thing, but it was saying she was 1% owned, and that could have been right Uh, season seven, uh, season seven, round seven, but she's now 33% owned. So I was going to have her as maybe a pod that I can't believe more people are not on, and I take that all back. Did you have any uh, people that meet these criteria for the rucks you wanted to discuss or?
1: Ruck pods? It's a real uh, crap shoot at the moment. Uh, 47% strong, 33% moody moody's probably the one where if you had her, you made top 100 this week mm. it's probably because you had enough cash to be able to make the upgrade and there was a much higher representation of morfet owners in the top 500 as well mm. so there was a lot of people i'm sure who went sideways and loved that 130 highest ruck score probably ever
0: i'm gonna say uh yeah i think so like
1: we're probably not making probably not making a big enough deal out of the score that she had uh For other options, kind of potentially, uh, like no one that I really love has a good run except Matilda Schultz, who has an (laughs) awesome run. Every other team has like a a red matchup followed by a green one. And if it was anyone, and then it's like Schultz, he's got, yeah, got the easy one this week and then the super easy one next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, you say no one's making a big enough deal about it. I, I think we've been pretty excited about Brienne Moody's incredible score. I think she got 46 hit-outs on Instagram, which is just insane. Absolutely massive. How did she get that
1: many hitouts on Instagram? Was she not playing the game?
0: <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, okay, rucks are tricky for this. But quick look at the forwards. Actually, this is a fun game to play to have pulled these stats a few hours ago and then see what people have been doing with their trades. But I had Frederick here as 2% owned in the top 1,000. Uh, hundred Frederick, oh, well, up well, to three. 3%. One oh, other person?
1: Up to
0: 3%. How One spicy. person
1: made it in yeah. from last week.
0: Her break-even's not great, but she does meet those other criteria of lowly-owned great run. Another couple that do this, Sophie Conway, 0% owned in the top 100, less than one in the top 1,000. Last three average of 83 in a break-even in the 50s. 59 albeit, but, you know, good, good difference there.
1: Coming off 108 as well. Which probably is her highest score of all time. Is she uh, one that yeah, you were I'd tinkering been, with before? Yeah, she she's been quiet after round two and basically just been a '60s and '70s player. But yeah, like I I think she's on the, the right kind of player to pick if you really want to go a roughy pod because she's probably not going to suck. She's and I hate to say <laughs> this, she's probably not going to ward it up. She's not going to have someone like locked down on her because she's their main avenue to goals. Like Dakota Davidson was someone we talked about and then she followed up with a bad score because you have to put a lot of attention in to stop because she's a key cog in Geelong, in Brisbane winning. Conway is a great, you know, four-fifth option on a good team. Mm. I think she's, yeah, she's the right kind of player to pick.
0: Well, speaking of Wardlaw, if you can excuse her round eight score... I can't because it was 29. No, but I mean like that can work to your benefit if you go, well, that was an anomaly because of how she was played upon. She's now lost money, underpriced, had a very good trend up until then. One, as of this morning, 1% owned in the top 1,000. Obviously like Will traded her in a while ago and would have been spewing it this round, but I think that she could still be someone that ticks all of these boxes as uh, as a trade-in option.
1: Yeah, Uh, I I think it's possible. I think... If I'm really going to take the, the, the punt on someone who's lowly owned uh, and who's cheap, it's Chelsea Randall. She's my probably my target this week.
0: Yeah, look, she is not on this list because why did I decide not to do that? I think it's because she was 5% owned or she had a slightly higher ownership. But was it also her run? So while I'm doing this, you talk me through the Randall logic, which I, by the way, I'm very excited that Chelsea Randall was back in conversation. I just was a bit hesitant for whatever reason.
1: Just putting up an 80, uh, we saw much less defender time. Uh, I think we, what we really, I saw what I wanted to see, which was Brooke Tonnen coming back into the side. It's a massive benefit for, for Randall spending time forward. Didn't necessarily, necessarily see the CBAs, but I think the fact that she's going to see uh, almost certainly, uh, well, I think she will see some tagging time in the CBAs up against North Melbourne. Even if she drifts behind the ball, North Melbourne's are a great team for defenders to score against, and I think that's also possible this week given the size of North Melbourne's forward line. So I am I like the idea that at 734K for someone who is is 5% owned sorry, in the top 100 and 3.5% owned in the top 1K, that you can get someone in who can put together 80s, and we know mm-hmm. can do it consistently.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that is a good point okay so that's that's what we had for um a little bit of some lowly owned players this week and some pods maybe oh do you want to go through your captain's corner
1: uh i can go through captain's corner pretty quickly i'd say that basically amongst you know 50% of the top 1000 of you know sorry about 30 to 40% of the top 1000 nailed their c uh, because it was Noffy or Robottom, Unfortunately, 16% were stuck with Garner, which was really tough. Uh, mm. And then I know a lot of people also put the VC on Noffy as well as Laura Gardner. So there was quite, at least 50% of the top 1,000 were sitting relatively comfortably with a, a 130 plus score as their captain score. Yep. This week, I think you're looking at the more traditional VCC arrangement because you're going to have uh, you can pick a real ruffy for your VC and then go into one of Garner or Noffy so Roboton has that great matchup to start the round you could even go Zali Goldsworthy if you were feeling really bold up against uh, the Gold Coast Suns you got Ali Anderson with an awesome matchup against Kilda. you could go Ellie Blackburn if you still have her in your side uh, mm-hmm. as your VC uh, and then I think I'll be going into to Ebony Marinoff
0: yeah I like that idea I think I'm going to go bottom and Marinoff as well. Not Blackburn? Well, I don't have Blackburn anymore. I traded her out for my neg one point. Oh, sorry.
1: I forgot about that. Yes. I forgot that.
0: Yes. No, you didn't. All right. <laughs> Let's quickly move smile. on to
1: the listener questions. Yeah. Nice, nice, quick episode so far.
0: Oh, yeah. We're always so so brief with these. Look, I reckon we'll just run through the names and the questions because of the amount of talking we've already done. We've kind of already answered some of these. So, Ben O' The Benno's ninety four. Should I move on Bruden, Sheeran and or Ella Roberts? We've kind of spoken about Bruden as a sure potential trade on because of the points going around in north. We've kind of spoken about Sheeran. I still rate Early I'm not so much, and we've kind of spoken about Roberts as well. So
1: Roberts, I think, was the one we've spoken about least. I think the matchup this week suits her down to a T. There's not a natural matchup for the Western Bulldogs and their defence is hugely depleted for one-on-one defenders, Hmm. I think she's almost a trade-in. She's in that same discussion we are having earlier about um, Jesse Wardlaw. If you haven't got Ella Roberts, if you want to find someone who we know can be 95-plus and we saw the stupidly good scores on the weekend from um, West Coast Eagles – sorry, Sydney players against the Dogs, I think, yeah, it's a great one.
0: I will just flag – it depends on your risk appetite and how good the rest of your team is because this is another that very is much so one-week trade. They go up against Adelaide in week 10, so you'd be trading her in with a bit of a knowledge that you're going to have to trade her out um, or consider trading her out for that week. Yeah, yeah. Corey Blackledge uh, says, is Sheeran, Hoare, and Morrison trades this week? Yes. <laughs> Hoare and Morrison, we've already... Uh, no?
1: Yeah, uh, I think... It really does depend, and I'm pretty sure Corey's ranked relatively highly. It it does depend on how you want to differentiate your team. I think Morrison, with more cash on her head, might allow you to go a a more highly priced sideways.
0: Whoa, is uh, Morrison uh, worth more than Hall right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, Hall's dropped below a million. I think she's at 9,400, 940,000. Jeez, those numbers sometimes. Look, I reckon if you trade either of those two
0: out... To differentiate yourself, yeah. sure. As we've just seen, Horan yeah. Morrison were the two we spoke about being quite highly owned.
1: And then in terms of uh, is Ferry a hold this week against West Coast, I th- unless you're super hot on an option, I think we're pretty clear at this point that you don't, you don't fiddle with their D5. <laughs> don't do something for the sake of it. Yeah. There are much more points on offer on every other line.
0: Quickly over in the defenders line, we've got who goes first, Alan or Darcy? Oh, this is an interesting uh, one because I, if you've got both, that's kind of – you've got two D5s there.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I see – I'm super torn on this, and it might take me a little bit later in the week to figure out my answer. Dizzy Darcy was playing a very different role in the second half, was kind of up on the wing, up closer to the ball, spent a little bit of time forward. There was some interesting tactical decisions being made in that Gold Coast-Port Adelaide game, and some also excellent ones. I, I, You know, I always rip on the defending, but the decision by Lauren Arnell to put Aaron Phillips as a defender in the second quarter when Gold Coast were playing with the wind was inspired. Or the third quarter, an awesome, awesome coaching decision because it really did stop Gold Coast completely. Mm-hmm. Darcy got thrown around when Gold Coast were trying to win the game and bloody hell, they got close to it. I'm not sure. I just... I might need to go back and rewatch a bit of Daisy Darcy to see if that scoring role is good, or if she's just going to end up with that forties and fifties. Otherwise, I think it's probably. I still think Alan has the lower floor.
0: Yeah, I was going to say.
1: It's tough though. Uh,
0: you'd kind of probably want to have neither of them, in by the end of the by the end of the season, because I think there are maybe more reliable uh, D fives. But as for which one first, you've got you know Collingwood versus Sydney, mm, also not looking great for defenders. So, yep, Liam can get back to you about that one on Twitter later once he's thought about yeah, it all. That's a tough one. Thoughts on Heads' role in matchup versus Collingwood?
1: Yeah, I think, the, I think the big thing for this is, is Lauren Zagetti playing? Yeah. If Lauren Zagetti's playing, I think it's probably not a trade in. I don't know if it's at the state of a trade out. Oh, yeah.
0: I wouldn't but, say it's a trade-in for sure, but I would say if you have her, it's a hold.
1: Definitely a hold. I think it's probably a hold either way, um, unless you your, your midfield's truly stacked and you've got the right mix of highly-owned uber primos and, and pods to kind of push you up the rankings and hope they do well. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's going to be one where we wait for team sheets and, and we see, because I think that had a big impact on the weekend. And
0: then Jack Marcus, Marquis, Jack says... I think... Uh, Evans yeah, or Sheeran? <laughs> Evans or Sheeran to downgrade? Bars or Roberts to upgrade? Um...
1: another tough one. I think it's probably it doesn't upgrade. I think it's bar to upgrade because I don't like the fact that bar was just being thrown around everywhere.
0: Mm. My uh, It's
1: very frustrating.
0: My question back to Jack but for GWS this one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you know, you go. Is Evans or Sheeran to downgrade? Who else do you, like, why? Just for for money? Like, Evans for and cash. Sheeran are both probably, like, they're both in my top five for that line. And therefore, I wouldn't be downgrading either of them. I would be trying to muck around, especially at this point in time, with taking one to two rookies on your bench that's made you money and just upgrading somewhere else. If you think that these players are either in your top five or like an, a Liam honourable mention, don't be downgrading them. So I would See, be. I'm
1: of actually. I'm actually of the opinion that Sheeran at 800 and something odd K, oh, I, like given what I said earlier about the fact that teams have started cluing into needing to put some time into her more, and given it's Geelong who saw firsthand, it it would be an option for me if you've got no cash on your bench. Hmm. That's the reason I think you can do it.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: I think, I think Evans is a bit too cheap for it to be worth it, but if you can bank 100-ish plus K and that allows you to make a, a, a defining trade in your midfield or your forward line, I don't hate it.
0: So we've got moving into the midfielders, we've got Aztec saying thoughts on T-Smith and G for Sparkers to Swanson and M for Sparkers, Uh, doing a trade-off matchups. I like it. Um, probably time to move on. T. Smith and Presparks, G. Presparks. Um, gosh, that's two Presparks. This is annoying. Um, Maddie Presparks is Prespark- looking high. good. Yeah, and uh, Swanson is someone I was con- seriously considering. I can't remember if she went up. She was, but she was less than a million last week. Just over yeah. a million
1: now, tiny bit over. My my concern is um, what happens if uh, Emma Swanson has to play a more normal football game uh, where there's not 104 tackles each. Hmm. Um, And given she that's probably her one of her highest scores ever, it's really difficult to trade someone in off the back of their highest score of all time when her midfield time has been defined by her consistency and not her ceiling. I just don't know if you're going to get that ceiling again. Well,
0: I don't think you're doing it for the ceiling. You're trading T. Smith. So you're doing an upgrade finally for that with that bunch of cash, true. And you're taking okay, Juju Prasparkas, who's been a fading, you know, thought we thought she might be Uber premium, she's not anymore. And you're getting someone who could very happily stay the M five, and a great midfielder, Maddie Prasparkas. I don't think you're looking yeah, for 116. I, I,
1: okay, I think of the two, Swanson. If you're just looking for consistency, totally, yeah, fine. So Swanson is just above a minion. I also think that. Less than 1.1. I think Amy McDonald has been the picture of consistency, so I can't hate going for that consistent M5. That's what I've got McDonald for. It if what it turns out to be the same reason, Maddie Prespakis though will get the Lucy single tag in round 10, and that's why I would be looking for alternative options mm. as trade-ins. Fair. I would be. I think that you probably see a better score from Ali Anderson in the next two weeks. Hmm. Even though both have a hard matchup in the final round, I think Anderson plays better through a tag because she can do a bit more of everything.
0: Yeah, from Josh. Prevatt, Prevatt, there's no R there, From Josh. Here's a new segment. Pavitt. I just read people's names wrong. Come <laughs> <on> Twitter, <laughs> send Rally, me your you name and watch me mispronounce it. Do, do you think, <laughs> Josh? You do think. Have it. Great question here. Sabrina Frederick against the Swans could go big. I think so. I like it. Agreed. Um, similarly, from the Duke, uh, ranked 12th. Congratulations. Who I know is ranked very highly. Yes, that's fantastic. 10th. Really like Frederick as a pod move. Or oh, 12th. Me too. Any other crazy moves that could differentiate me? Haven't quite looked at all of that information, probably won't, but I like Frederick. I think Stabs
1: Frederick is a great option. And I think, yeah, I. I would be reticent at the moment to be suggesting something truly harebrained with a top three midfielder. I think you only do that for one week because we know that this top four this year really don't put together two bad scores in a row and you'd be really having to chance your arm.
0: Yep. And then we've got a couple of questions just from Gareth Evans and Michelle talking about um, Morrison (laughs) and the question marks around that, which I think we've kind of already talked about a bit. But thank you for writing in. And actually, we got to most of the questions this week, which is nice. Yes. Quickly on trades. (laughs) I almost don't want to say mine. I feel embarrassed. I feel embarrassed because I'm doing just such a stupid fucking move, which is bringing back in Goldsworthy after I traded her out. And I don't like bringing back in players where I have made a bad mistake. It's like, I fucked up. I just want to leave that in the past. But no. Morrison out, Goldsworthy in, oofed, that's expensive, but we're doing Karis out, who made me another little bit of money, I think this week, for Murphy, who is the very highly owned 300 grand <laughs> ruck, that's just been like... Wasn't... Oh yeah,
1: she's, everyone's looper. Yeah,
0: pretty much, I was like, I'm going to pick her, because then if she comes back in for whatever reason, I know nothing about her, but if she comes in, we're all doomed, and Jay Flynn, who, despite having a good score, lost me money, so must have a very high break even, which is annoying. Out for just a 300 grand midfielder. I've gone for Pope because I like watching her play, even though she's not very good from a fantasy perspective.
1: She's not She's not very good at fantasy, unfortunately. She's really uh, not. Yeah, I am... Yeah, what are you doing? I'm. So my trades at the moment are of a similar vein looking at the possibility of going and bringing in Sabs Frederick, uh, I think, is the play for me. Uh, Just It will allow me kind of a whole raft of new options. It would be going Nina Morrison up um, and then possibly considering. So I'll I'll have a fair bit of cash to play with, about 220-odd K to spend. Mm. And Morrison up to Frederick is 100K. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. The rest of that money, it, it could be going up to an Ali Anderson, from Amy McDonald. could be making a play at the ruck. But I don't love my options yeah. at the moment. It could be fiddling around with my defence, trying to bring in And Stannett nah. or MRO Driscoll. Based like, on uh,
0: based on everything that you've vibed so far, I can see you bringing in Anderson, not touching Schultz, definitely trading out Morrison. Probably bringing in Frederick. Like it's so telling the way your attitude is towards these players when we talk through them. It's like you can kind of see where the trades are going.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm definitely hot on the idea of Frederick and Morrison out. I've kind of had a thought about that one. I've got some fully formed ideas. It's just the, the other trade that I'm not sure on. I think Anderson, I think you're right to say that it comes at a lot of risk for next week and that's why I don't love it. I'm not in love with having that as my M5 at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think you can still stake yes, it be... and say, like, for one week this is going to be a great trade, but I'm not going to do it because there's only two weeks left and it's risky Yeah, to but do I don't few... have
1: many other trades to make if I'm holding Schultz.
0: Well, given how many of your trades have actually lost you points and money over the time of playing fantasy, maybe that's for too the many, best.
1: Way too many. <laughs> maybe
0: just do two trades.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I could front up, Mel, if I only did two trades and then my... Team sucked, because the player I didn't trade out scored poorly. Yeah. Like I would you'd be without a host next week. I'd have a hiatus early. It
0: can just be me. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about what our trades are as we think about them some more. Another long episode, always good. Liam, where can they find you? Uh,
1: they can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy Morning the bomber's inability to win the games they're meant to.
0: Yes, nice. Have you already posted about that or you, it's a week of mourning?
1: Oh, it's a full week of mourning and you probably won't see me actually write words about it. It will just be screaming inside my own head as other people mentioned them. Nice.
0: You can find me as HiMelD on Insta and Twitter and you can find us on Insta and Twitter as Free Kick w Pod. Little special shout-out. Will could not be here. I don't even know if he was going to do this. But if you like – what's the men's version called? Gr- gritty or something?
1: Grid Grit
0: – Gritto. <laughs>
1: <laughs> gritty. You mean the the, the dance? Grid, Gridley or mm. uh, Footy Grid? Yes. Two f- favourites of mine.
0: If you like those – um, Will has been, just for our pleasure and maybe a couple of other mates for a little while, been making an AFLW version of that because he is an encyclopedia of AFLW knowledge and he's decided to share them with the world and he's got a um, griddle, great name, with a cute little icon uh, live on Insta and Twitter and he's got enough of these pre-made to last us out to finals. So for if you want to play a daily AFLW grid game, please go check that out.
1: And they do also come with a bit of uh, rarity. So on Twitter, it's Game. G-R-I-D-D-E-L-L game.
0: Yes, I did not get today's. I got eight of them solved in about an hour of sitting there pulling my hair out because I do not have an encyclopedic memory like you and Will. So, (laughs) but I tried. No, but they're lots of fun.
1: I've got one compendium of the encyclopedia. Will has the whole thing.
0: Mm. One portion. Yes, well, let us know how you go. As always, thank you for listening. We'll chat to you next week. Hopefully, Will is here. Um, See you later.
1: Yeah, good luck, everyone.
0: See ya. Bye. Bye.